This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. All right, so we are entering the third stage of the podcast, but we are going to be focusing more now on the pandemic itself and how NC State as the state itself and the university can better itself in the upcoming months. To start off, I wanted to talk about Duke University, which is a, a private university in Durham. They decided for fall semester this year that they were going to have a limited amount of people on campus. Students were asked to quarantine for 14 days before arriving and were tested twice a week if they were on campus and once a week if they were off campus for COVID. It's so amazing. I, I had no idea they, they, they did this well. I think that's incredibly, you know, smart. They kind of took control, kind of took the matters into their own hands and didn't leave anything to chance. They kind of took that into account and they're like, all right, freshmen, they need the experience. They need the environment to be on campus. You know, this is really, because also I believe it's because of retention. You know, if um, freshmen don't feel, you know, particularly attached to the campus or attached to the university, they're probably not as likely to come back for, you know, the next semester and next year. So I think it was honestly really about, you know, freshman retention, but also it was smart because the freshman experience, as I said, is very, um, very vital, you know, meeting new people and being in that school environment. So I actually really love that response and the fact that they had to quarantine before they came here and that they're tested twice a week. It really helps lower anxieties about, you know, interacting with new people and not like being so constringent about like um, interaction. So, wow, I would love to know how that turned out for them. Do you know? Let me open the link real quick because I was looking at a case study for it. I do know that they had less cases compared to, of course, UNC Chapel Hill and North Carolina State University. But (laughs) yeah, I appreciate how Oh, they also created a smartphone app for daily symptom self-monitoring and reporting. And wow. I think we definitely should have took after Duke for sure. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, I definitely appreciate how they really took control of the situation. They weren't really like on the fence about, about anything. Yeah. Because I know a lot of schools were definitely on the fence about making everything online and what to do about students on campus and everything. So their initial 
constant recurring testing was really smart on their part. But I also, I can't judge any other schools like State or Carolina too harshly because it is an unprecedented time. And nobody really had a good plan on how to deal with everything. I can say that Carolina could have done a little bit better um, after they had all of their students partying, but I think State did really well with handling everything to fit their needs as well. But I I do want to say I did find the results as well, and there is 84 cases among students, 51% to be precise, that were asymptomatic. So they caught it just because of the testing. Wow, that was, that's amazing results. I definitely think that more schools and institutions other than schools can do well by following in the footsteps of Duke, as much as I hate to say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, their, responses, their response was definitely appropriate and proactive. But um, yeah, their focus was on freshmen and the younger students. And my, my next question is, Duke is a private university. Would NC State even be able to have the measures as strict as Duke did? Yeah, I'm not sure if we could or not, because I'm not overly familiar with how policy differs between private and public schools. Um, I would definitely have to look more into it before I gave a firm answer, but I think that with how large state is and being a public school, it would definitely be harder for us to do something like that, considering all of the students that we have from all over and our ability to make hard and fast decisions is not the best. It's not the same as Duke being a private institution. Back off that. Basically, like she said, Duke probably does have a lot of freedom since this is a public university. There probably are, you know, more boards of directors, more things that have to go through approval because it's, you know, public, state funded. So they would have to have, you know, a lot more, you know, red tape or to say, or more like, you know, things to do, more policies to go through when they're trying to make a um, quick and fast decision, as she said. So our response would be kind of, you know, slowed down because of just the pure amount of stuff that you have to go through to take the measures that are necessary. Duke being a private university, they probably have a set group of people who make the decisions since it doesn't have to, you know, go through the state or anything like that. So it'd be very easy to make these quick, sometimes expensive decisions, you know, when they need to be made. So that probably definitely played a part in it. And of course, I don't know their difference in population, but I know NC State is quite large. So also, you know, the pure amount of people that uh, attend may play a part in that as well. 
So going into that, um, looking at what NC State has decided to do for spring semester, NC State is requiring COVID-19 testing three to five days before returning on campus and is requesting all students to self-quarantine before coming on campus. And for students who are off campus, I'd say, I believe it's like a mile away from campus. They also are requiring those students to self-quarantine and to take the COVID test. Do you believe that this will help prevent the spread that we saw in fall semester and that these measures are going to be significant enough to help us continue keeping the school open for the spring semester? So is everyone allowed to come back on campus? I'm not sure. I know that they have asked freshmen who were previously on campus if they would like to return and that they're going to try to fill more housing up that compared to fall semester when they kicked everyone off. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction, but I'm not sure how much it will help with the spread of it. It'll help with the initial the initial fight against it when everybody comes back from winter break. But considering the area that our campus is in, Raleigh is definitely a hot spot for COVID cases. And people still have to live. It's not easy avoiding contracting COVID. It's not something that you can just outrun because people still have to get groceries. People still have have to work, they still have to go to school, they still have to do things. And so the initial testing is great, but I think the required recurring testing would also be a good option uh, for our school because we have we do have a lot of people and the rush of people that's gonna be coming back for the second semester is daunting and definitely needs to be better addressed compared to our first semester, our fall semester. Just like she said, it takes care of, you know, initial week, but after that, I don't really hear a game plan for how they're going to upkeep this. You know, Duke had reoccurring testing and, you know, it was mandatory. You know, I don't know how well it's going to go when you kind of put all the responsibility on the students, you know, show up twice a week, you know, and self-quarantine before, you know, th- that they might as well, like, that's them saying it's optional when they don't, like, mandate it or require it, because how many students are going to voluntarily, you know, isolate themselves again after, you know, all this. So it's, it's re- they're putting a lot of responsibility on the students to kind of you know, do do what they have to do, you know, is that, do you know if the tests are going to be mandatory, if they're going to be administered by, you know, the university, how is that going to work? I know like, so- that you have to, like, show proof that you have tested negative before you're allowed back. I don't so. know how that process is going to work yet, so that'll be yeah. interesting to see in the upcoming month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if student health is still open and doing COVID tests during winter break for everyone that's still on campus because that would be really interesting to know because if they're not, then how are people that are still on campus 
going to get tested before everyone moves back in like they're requiring? I believe that they are still open. Um, I do know that the CVSs are close by as well. And we, I do know Wake County is making it easier to acquire testing, but I have not looked into it further. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. I forgot that there was a CVS close by. <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a little while, <laughs> but that, that's great that they still have that those resources mm -hmm. very I think incredibly what available. the main concern will be is, is um there's going to be in like influx of students trying to get that testing all in the same amount of time so yeah. it's like where can you find a place to get that testing that's not too busy that it just makes it so it's another place for you to catch it you yeah, we also have to contend with other students in Raleigh and where everybody else went home to because I'm pretty sure everyone's going to have to get tested for this coming semester from or at least are going to voluntarily get tested so all these testing areas are going to have an influx of people wanting and needing tests and so it's just it's interesting to see how it's all going to play out We've never had anything like this before. So it's not like we can predict, oh, these many people are going to be tested. And then based on past research or something or other, this many people have the chance of getting it. So it's really, it's really interesting because you can be negative at the time of testing and then get it that day. Mm -hmm. That's just what, that's what makes me nervous is because it's like somebody can be negative and then we can be around each other, even though we're still socially distant and I could still get it. Somebody else can still get it. It's, it's a little scary, honestly. So most clusters identified at the beginning were off campus and were especially prominent in Greek life and apartment complexes. How do you think NC State can better monitor these areas to help further protect from a repeat of fall semester's quick rise of cases? I think state can definitely monitor Greek life better um, than they did last semester because Greek life is completely under the umbrella of NC State. It's like Greek life isn't a thing without the school, so they can they can definitely require more testing and I hate to say it, but maybe more repercussions for no social distancing or not listening to regulations. But when it comes to like off-campus apartment complexes and everything, it's hard to see state looking after that because it's completely independent of the institution. And there are people that live in the quote-unquote student apartments that aren't students. So it's hard to try to keep infection rates low in those kinds of situations. Well, of course, like she said, off-campus apartments are kind of out of the jurisdiction of NC State. And 
Greek life is kind of teetering on the edge because all Greek um, houses are not on campus. You know, they're spread out all through, you know, the Raleigh area. So it's very hard to, you know, pinpoint where they are, where the um, gatherings are being held. And also it's kind of hard to, you know, battle the desire of all these people, you know, people are just craving social interaction, something. They're craving seeing these new people. So people want to, you know, socialize. They want to go to these parties. So as as much as it is like um, partially, not necessarily the Greek life's fault, it's the people who come to these events. The Greek life hosts it, but there's also people, NC State students and other people who come to these events. So it's really a group effort of what happened. You know, it's kind of like a con- contribution to what everybody has done. Um, in the fall semester. So I really don't know how they're going to combat that besides, you know, testing, like she said, maybe more restrictions, more monitoring, but that that can only do so much. It's kind of, you know, like the whack-a-mole machine where you have to like beat the, you know, what was it, a hedgehog game at the arcades. It's, there's just so many different, you know, organizations, so many different locations. You're going to, they can't pinpoint every single one of them. So really just emphasizing safety, really emphasizing, you know, alternatives. Because when people have no alternative, that's when it gets bad. You know, they're stuck in their dorms 24-7. They can't do anything. They don't see people. They're going to seize the opportunity to go socialize. So it's really, you know, pinpointing the cause of this rather than, you know, the results. You know what I mean? Like, getting to the root of the problem, people not having an outlet for social interaction. It feels like we're always one step behind when it comes to big organizations like Greek life, because they can always do things and deal with the repercussions later. And right now it's about being proactive and it's hard to emphasize that to everyone because not everybody's priorities are the same. So it's really hard to get ahead of it. And it's like, you don't wanna punish people for being social because human beings are social are social animals. We, we crave being around people. And especially right now, we need that sense of community and they have it and it's hard to say no you can't do all of that you have to be isolated so it's really hard to get ahead of that but it's also like the need that we have to get ahead of that it's really hard to balance all of the safety and social needs yeah she said it perfectly like we are social you know creatures we crave that interaction you know, after someone's been isolated for, this has been going on for what, eight months now? Or something like that? After someone's been isolated for six months and you have the opportunity to meet new people, see another human, talk to another human, let go and have fun for, you know, the first time in eight months, it, it's really hard to resist no matter how strong your morals are, you know, no matter how, you know, important it is to you. It, it's really hard to get over, especially when you see like other people doing these things and you're sitting in your dorm it's definitely hard to like like she said say no you can't do this when it's it's literally you know we we crave it honestly so it's hard to you know punish being social because it's just a part of like who we are Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and like have to like balance, you know, it's either like short-term gratification or long-term gratification. You know, are are we in this for the long run so we can, you know, put this to an end once and for all? And it's just the uncertainty around it all. Nobody knows when this is going to end. There's not like a certain date, like Corona isn't going to expire on, you know, December 31st at 11.59. We don't know when this is going to end. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like you only live once, live in the moment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like this isolation has created a mentality where a lot of people think if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Might as well go out. It's like, I can't physically do anything about it. Sure. I can wear a mask. I can stay isolated, but that also, I can still get it when doing that too, because you know, I still have other things that I have to do. I still have to go outside. I still have to get groceries. I still have to work and everything. So What's adding on a little social interaction to that? <laughs> Might as well have fun doing it, right? And like a lot of people I talk to, like I probably already had it. I'm probably gonna get it anyway. Probably have it right now. It's just kind of like that, just leaving it up to chance. Because you, have, what this has shown is that we have no control over anything. No matter how careful you are, no matter how much you isolate yourself, it's always a possibility that you either have it right now, have had it in the past, or are gonna get it. So it's kind of like the whole. Sorry to bring back this very cringy phase, but it's kind of like YOLO, you know, you only exactly. <laughs> so it's definitely hard to, you know, be the responsible person and, you know, stay home. I don't know, look at your plants when, you know, there's an opportunity to socialize, have fun and just really let go for the first time in literally a year. Yeah, it's like the awareness of how widespread it is it's kind of like a dejected feeling like I can't do anything about this myself so what else can I do besides have fun <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's it's the whole no, like, sorry feeling of just no control like you said and it's that the one thing that you can control is how much social interaction you get and people grab onto it. I know I I try to be as um as like social that I can be in most times and it's really hard right now and it's I've almost gotten to the point where I'm just like I want to keep myself and everybody around me safe but like I need social interaction. <laughs> so yeah. going off of that um this past semester the only two days we had off was for moving out of the dorms at the beginning of the semester. What was your opinion on that? Because I, I know it was kind of stressful for me since we didn't even get Thanksgiving break and we finished before Thanksgiving break, which is something new to us on campus, which had its positives and had its negatives. So what was your opinion on that for fall semester? It was absolutely horrible, like going through that whole strait of time, all that stress without a break. And then the only break we did have, we were literally lugging our whole life, you know, either packing to another place, moving to another place. It was very stressful and it was definitely not enough. Like I I remember, you know, even before that, like even just a couple of days ago, just because of how the break 
was organized. I literally took my final exam. It was like I was in a conference and I was moving. I was in the middle of moving to this apartment and I was taking my final. I had just locked out of, got locked out of my apartment in the middle of moving. And I literally had to take my backpack out of the car. My computer was dead. So I took the final exam from my phone sitting on a bench outside my apartment. That's how I took my final exam. That's crazy. I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. (laughs) I was just trying to keep it together. I was trying to keep it together, but it just made me realize that we are not supposed to be going through things like this. And just to go that long without having a break and then having a two month break, because it's just really not, it's not the best because first of all, you have two months and it's like, you're I don't know, for people who had to go home, thank goodness I didn't have to go home, that I had the opportunity, the means to stay here. But some people do not have the best home life. And for them to have to endure that for two months, really, I really feel for them. So I can only imagine how hard that is for them. And just like all the people, you know, who had to stay home, who had to go back, like with all the siblings, the internet issues. Like I remember I went back home and I literally had to um, go to the library just to do my classes. I would literally sit in the um, public library for six hours just because we do have so many people in our home who are using the internet. Um, I like I had 8.30 class and it dropped out like um, twice just because of the internet connectivity. Because Zoom, you know, is going to use a lot of bandwidth. It's a large program. You have all these people streaming. So, you know, all these applications that we're using, you know, it it needs a lot of bandwidth. So, yeah, it was just very stressful. And I really feel for the people who had to go home, who have to endure for two months straight, isolated, can't go anywhere. It's a very stressful time. And we definitely, definitely needed more breaks in between instead of going for like a straight period no breaks, then taking a two month break and then going at it again. And then the fact that we have, you know, no spring break, it's all very stressful. It's very depressing. I really wish- Both of your opinions on no spring break. I understand. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I I understand the reason why they're having, of course it makes logical sense, but honestly, we need that break. Like it's almost, our brains are not meant to take this kind of stress about breaks. You know, there, there was weekends, there was days we had off for a reason just to, you know, give you that mental break, but a two month break, I think actually I've heard like one time that, you know, it's better to take small, you know, frequent, um, vacate. It was referring to like vacations off of work than one long one. And I don't know exactly where you can, if you can reference that, but it's sort of like that you need, small breaks you know one long break in between two long stretches of time isn't going to be as effective as it would have been yeah exactly so like I know next semester they took away our spring break but they decided to do like four wellness days I think it was like one a month which I appreciate that they added breaks in that they added those wellness days because like Shaylin said, it's it's definitely really hard to have a long break compared to multiple shorter breaks. Because just like studying, it's been a known thing for a long while that taking shorter breaks when you're studying helps you 
better than taking longer breaks because it doesn't kill your motivation as much. Like having this two month long winter break, you get used to not having anything to do. And so being thrown back into classes with the outlook of not having another like substantial break is really intimidating and just makes people not want to do anything. And I know this past semester having no breaks was really rough on a lot of people's motivation because even the two days of moving people out of dorms, that was a fight to get. Remember, they initially said that they were going to have everybody move out and they didn't say anything about canceling classes for those two days. Mm -hmm. There was a petition going around to try to get the school to cancel classes for at least one day because it's just it's a lot that piles up on everybody on all of the students even the people who didn't have to move out because they're thinking about what it's like for everybody else and what what it's going to be like for them during classes and everything when half of the people have to skip class because classes aren't canceled and they're having to move out and so I think next semester with the couple of like day-long breaks is a step in the right direction but it's also like spring break people look forward to that every year mm-hmm. like senior year I had wanted to go to New Orleans for my spring break but now with no spring break and with COVID it's it's a little dejected I'm a little sad about it but also what has to be done is done. It's mm-hmm. it's mixed feelings because everybody wants to keep everybody safe, but it, it but also people people need breaks. People need a chance to let go and get out of their own heads because a lot of people, I know myself especially when it comes to classes, I tend to stay in my own head and stay stressed because I just, there's nothing to let go with when there's no breaks. Because I constantly feel like I should be doing something because there's no breaks. So if there's no breaks, then I shouldn't have be giving myself a break. It definitely hurts motivation and people's mental health. And also you have to keep in mind that look Really, like freshmen and sophomore that like of course they're legally 18 but they like th- the summer doesn't transform you into some superhuman adult like we're basically you know of course I'm mature and stuff but in general we're, we just came from living with our parents you know getting driven to school on a school bus you know being fed every day not having to do with anything and in that two-month period we we, you know we didn't undergo some dramatic change we're still you know gradually you know becoming an adult so to have to go through all this with no prior experience no you know problem solving you know management of course I've been able to um, deal with it but some of like the people I know of who might not you know have had the experience that I've had they are definitely you know not dealing with this well like the transition between um, high school and college can already be rough because of that ex- responsibility. But this has just gone above and beyond. Like if you don't know how to act like an adult in this in a time like this, then you 
definitely, you know, fumbled throughout the semester because just yeah. the pure responsibility and pure, you know, mental toughness, the pure drive that one would have had to possess just to pass, you know, any of their classes would be just insane. Like even, you know, the easiest classes that we have, you know, the um, PE classes, my weightlifting class, we didn't even lift weights, not once. <laughs> All we had to do was upload a five minute video of us working out, you know, twice a week and just the pointlessness of it you know, it's not even necessarily the work, just the pointlessness of, of it, of it all, not improving. Like I did jumping jacks and, you know, air squats for five minutes straight. It's just when you start to see how pointless everything is, it's very hard to continue doing what you're supposed to do. When you see how ineffective learning Spanish online is when you, when you're, you know, behind in math and you can't really, you know, see over someone's shoulder what they're doing it. It's just, the motivation is not there at all. Yeah. And it's, and yeah. Go ahead. It's definitely different for like freshmen because they have no experience with college classes. And then they're taught, they're taught about college classes in high school, but there's no way to really prepare for it well. And then they get the slight exposure at the very beginning of the semester when classes were still in person and then they're thrown into online and it's, it's really hard. It's hard to figure out what to do by yourself because more, it's most likely that the other people, you know, are also freshmen, but they have no clue what they're doing either. And it's hard to, it's hard for everybody to figure out like how to keep themselves motivated because like you said it's when you're not understanding one class it's hard to focus on other classes and then with everything being online it's not like you can really ask other people for help like I was taking Spanish this semester too and it was really weird over zoom and I was also taking statistics and it was like teaching myself and everything and that's that's what a lot of people are doing right now they're having to teach themselves and it's it really kills a person's motivation because if you're not understanding it then there's essentially you feel like there's nothing you can do because you don't have the immediate resources available in person that you would normally have definitely like the blind leading the blind nobody knows what they're doing even you know the people in charge don't know what they're doing you know the usual methods of you know problem solving you know office hours tutoring it's all been you know turned upside down so it, it was definitely difficult yeah that is the perfect way to describe it I like that I'm gonna have to use that now <laughs> <laughs> or just the blind leading the blind that's all it is yeah yeah that is exactly what it is because even on a bigger scale the federal government doesn't know what they're doing so state governments don't know what they're doing so schools and counties don't know what they're doing it's just we're all trying to figure this out at the same time and it we're all stumbling around hoping to just get one thing right it's like we're in a maze <laughs> how would you like to see north carolina um in terms of preventing the spread of COVID, what would you like to see in the future? I know just recently um, Governor Roy Cooper has made it so that there is bigger consequences of not wearing masks while out and about. 
It's definitely hard to balance, you know, it's going to be hard to balance between, you know, being completely strict and, you know, not literally killing people inside. <laughs> Cause you know, I, I think I've had, I've heard like the story of this one person, he was in his building, you know, doing something and he, he didn't have a mask on. I forgot what he was doing. He was like in his dorm, in his building, probably going to the bathroom. I'm pretty sure. I, I think it was like, he got like a strike or something. I don't know what it's called, but it was like brought to like the, it, it like blew up into this whole thing. And he was like stressing. He was like, am I going to get kicked out of school? And I just remember like the mental toll that it had on him. And I think he was like a freshman and he, he literally thought he was going to get kicked out of school because he didn't wear a mask. I'm pretty sure they like reported him to like the office. Anyway, it's it really just a lot, like force everybody needs to wear their mask, but just like, I'm thinking about what those consequences would be. Like, mm -hmm. what do they mean by harsher consequences? So from what I'm looking online with the most recent update, businesses and organizations that you are currently in will get reprimanded if they do not tell you to wear the mask and do not enforce that. But if you are the person who is refusing to wear the mask and are not listening to the business, you could get a fine and a court date. I'm not quite sure how it all works, but there will be like legal consequences for those actions instead yeah. of just a slap on the wrist, be like, you should be wearing that. As and it's like the restrictions are constantly changing. Like I go to the gym regularly and, you know, at first it was like, okay, you can take your mask off when you're doing strenuous activities because um, the treadmills, they're like encased in these um, barriers. They have like the things in there. So it's like, okay, if you're running, then it's okay to have your mask off as long as you're like in the thing. But then the other day when I was just going about my business running, you know, because the treadmills are like socially distanced, they're six feet apart. And then they have like these plastic wrappings. I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like these poles of like plastic wrappings. So you're like encased in your own little bubble. And I was running and then I was told I need to put a mask on and that's fine. But it's just like, everything's constantly changing you know it gets a really frustrating when you know day after day it's like okay you can do this but this way straight activity but now it's over here you know you can drink water it's just so many different you know restrictions and they're constantly changing and it, it's a lot to keep up with but it'd be nice <sighs> if it's consistent this is what we're doing yes very i, I like consistency because it's a lot yeah but I can also understand how the conditions of the pandemic constantly changes, especially mm -hmm. with how political it has gotten. Mm -hmm. Right now, I just wish that everyone could like forget about politics and just focus on this and taking care of this because everybody wants the same thing essentially we all want this to go away we're all tired of it it doesn't matter what political party you belong to but it's so it's taken a very drastic turn uh so to speak because then there's the people who are all like body autonomy it's my body i can do what i want i can choose to not wear a mask but it's also taking away the choice of somebody else. Yeah, exactly. It's also like, well, hey, we kind of need you to wear that if you want to be around other people, if you want to 
go to businesses, if you want to do the things that you want to do, you kind of have to do this. And it's, it's really hard. It's like I've said before, it's an unprecedented time. Nobody knows what they're doing. And like you said, Caitlin, about how the state's implementing more punishments. I don't, I think that works great for like a state level, but I don't know how we can edit that for our school level. Like what kind of punishments could we bring for school and for students? Because like, because you don't want it too severe. Like Shaylin was saying, sometimes ha- accidents happen. Sometimes you you're just you forget that we are in a pandemic, and you just need to use the bathroom for goodness sake. And yeah. that is that really is that really the consequence that should be administered to something of that level? You know? Yeah, and you don't want to like punish somebody with like expulsion. Yeah, like a discipline report, like academic probation or anything, because that can also hurt somebody that can make them lose all motivation. They can be like, well, I mean, if I'm already on probation, if I'm already messed up my chances, what am I still doing here? It can really put a damper on people's outlook on the school and their education. Now, I think more punishments could be, like, imposed on, say, like, organizations like Greek Life. I know that, like, if they were to have, like, an unauthorized party or a gathering or something, there could be a little bit more punishment for that because they know what they're doing. But it's also, like, hard because they're they're Greek Life, that that's what they do (laughs) (laughs) it's a part of and to have them automatically cut all that off like that's kind of what they do that's how they interact you know everybody knows that the greek life throws party so it's kind of like why are you surprised that they're doing and it's also kind of like the demonization of people who are because like you even when you do have fun like we said when we finally break it's kind of hard to fully enjoy your freedom you know if you do go to a gathering even if it's just like with like friends and five people you feel guilty so it's like you can never fully enjoy yourself everybody's constantly has like this cloud over their head like no matter how great the party is no matter how much fun you're having there's always going to be a cloud like I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be here you know yeah you never fully enjoy it it's very hard hard to enforce anything too because are we just going to have like NC state officers patrolling around or are we going to depend on people reporting things? And then, and then we have to deal with people feeling like they're doing something wrong by reporting people or not reporting people. It's, it gets complicated really quickly. Yeah. And it's also like walking on eggshells around people because we are a public school. We do have to deal with, people's outside people's approval because we depend on state funding and everything and it's it's hard because if we do something somebody doesn't like then we're going to pay the consequences for it as a school it's it's really hard so as we're talking there is multiple vaccines being approved in the U.S. and they will 
be gradually somehow brought into the population. Because it is such a gradual thing, a lot of these vaccines require like two shots for it to work. Um, How do you see the transition back from our COVID-19, always wear a mask, um, social distancing, to more of a normalcy? That was actually one of my greatest fears that things will never go back to normal, that they're never, like, it's going to be kind of like there is no normal, like, after this, after, you know, a whole, basically a whole year of doing this, are you going to be able to, you know, stand three feet of, um, like, apart from a person, not, like, feel, you know, like you should be standing, you know, farther away? Are you going to be comfortable with walking up to people or shaking people's hands or giving your best friend a hug or, you know? touching a like I didn't do this before but like touching a door handle like it's gonna be very hard to go back to normal and I I don't know I'm just scared that everybody you know might not be as social that I don't know because I've heard of what NC State campus is like before and just the thought that I won't be able to to experience that in in its entirety is very it's very depressing you know Mm -hmm. that we still might be like this you know that there's still it still might be deserted or that'll never go back to, you know, pre-corona. I'm really afraid of that. Yeah, I think we we may get some normalcy back, and I am pretty sure that you'll get to see the beauty that is NC State's social environment. At least I really hope you get to see that. I also think that it's not going to go back to what we used to think was normal. I think we're gonna take some aspects of it and some aspects of our COVID normal is what I'm calling it. I think we're gonna make a new normal, a new way for us all to interact and become a functioning society again, because we can always count on college students to be social. That's not something that we're ever going to give up. But we may be more, a little bit more careful about it. We may not be as extreme as we are now. We may be closer, have a little bit larger gatherings, but we're still going to be like a little more weary about everything. And I think that's a little bit of a good thing. Because hopefully this doesn't happen again and we can just be prepared for anything that comes our way now. Yeah, but I think like it's not going to go back to our old normal, but we will have a sense of normalcy. I don't know if that makes sense. Like what I'm trying to say is that we'll feel like we're back to a normal but it's not going to be the exact same it's like it's like whenever the metaphor of whenever you break a dish you can put it back together but it's not going to be the exact same as before so I was actually about to say we've been speaking for almost two hours so we can definitely end now thank you guys for your time and I really appreciate you doing this yeah thank you for having us I really enjoyed this I've always heard the podcasts and everything and it was great to be able to be part of one of course thank you so much glad i 
trio student support services program and student support services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At Trio SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.